Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. So I want to ask, right, because a lot of clinicians, when they graduate, they want to be like, I want to learn implants, I want to learn ortho, I want to learn them all really quickly. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Because you did the implant, um, the the masters in in the implant, but also you're doing ortho. Um, yeah, the masters in implantology is a bit of a, is a bit of a, uh, oh, look, I've done a lot of implants by that stage. So, so it wasn't strictly a masters. It's a, it's an MICOI. Um, if you join the ICOI, uh, they have conferences and you can present cases and you can become a fellow of the ICOI or a master of the ICOI. So we all went to Singapore in 2016. I think I had 20 or 30 cases that I had to present and, when, and by present, I mean, I didn't actually have to stand up and present them. I had to put them into, I had to photos, x-rays, write up. Um, and so you have to be able to demonstrate that one, you, you've got enough experience and two, that if there's been problems, you've, you've known how to fix them. And you, and you, I mean, you know, everyone has problems in, in, in implantology. Mm-hmm. So it, you need to be able to, to, to demonstrate an ability to, 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 to rationally think and, uh, and to have the experience and then to fix problems. And that got me, you know, the MICOI. So you can have an FICOI, whatever. The diploma of uh, the grad dip in ortho was with Derek. So that was the two-year course with, I think there was 20 modules. Each module you had to, to do an exam in, you know, that was much more didactic stuff. But even with that, um, I then just went and worked for Derek for a day a week, you know. Uh, and that's kind of um, so. Anyone who's just starting out wants to learn everything, right? That's right. Um, if you approach learning as a lifelong goal, and you and you think about your career, you think, okay, well, I can't learn everything immediately. So what am I interested in? Right? Everything takes time. Everything takes money. I mean, God, dentistry, CPD is the most expensive stuff on the planet. Now, what is it? A thousand to two thousand bucks a day for every single course that you do, right? Okay. Um, I never worried about spending money on education because it's tax deductible, right? So don't sweat it. You got to, you got to, you want to sign yourself up for a twenty thousand dollar course? Just go do it. Pay it off. Doesn't matter. Because you know, but if you're going to do a course, you, like I've done all the soft tissue courses. I did Lincoln Harris's course. I did uh, Sato's course. Uh, I did um, Mario Steigman's course. I'm never going to do soft tissue. That's just too finicky for me. But now I know what it is that they do. And now I know when I look at a patient, what to look for. And now I know who to send when people need to go and when they don't need to go. Um, and uh, I think that's what you've really got to do is you've got to look at your clinical day and you've got to say, what, am, what do I dislike the most about the clinic? What do I, what do I, when I look at that in the book and I think, oh God, I've got to do that, right? So is it because you can't do it? 
and you're anxious about it and it's very difficult for you? Or is it because you don't like doing it? Right? And if you can kind of distill your general practice into the things that you like and dislike and do more of the things that you like or get better at the things that you dislike so you start to like them and, they, and you don't sweat it, then you're, then that's the CPD you should be doing. So it's funny, I mean, Kurt and I are talking about it and we're writing, but we're trying to write this course for new graduates, like up to five years out, and we just want to teach them the tips and the tricks that we know, right? Mm -hmm. um, because when you've been a dentist forever, you do things um, efficiently and you have tips and tricks that get you through anything, right? As opposed to when you're a new graduate, you look at something and you think, how the hell do I do that? How am I going to control that bleeding? Oh, my God. You know, how am I going to get that margin? How do you get that contact point? You know, ah, and your brain explodes because it's, it's because there's, the, the complexity is too hard. So I reckon that's what people should do. They should think really rationally about what they want to do. Don't think about the money. Don't think you're going to be doing implants to make money. Don't think you're going to be doing ortho to make money, right? Because it's a long time before you start making money doing anything, mm -hmm. right? And you have to be able to do it to a sufficient degree of success um, because if you start to fail at what you do because you don't have enough experience, that's far more expensive. So I never did any CPD wanting to make more money. I only ever did it because I wanted to be better at what I did. The end result, the net result of that, of course, is that you do make more money, but um, it takes a while before you do it. Mm -hmm. Some people like to think that, oh, you know what? Um, I'm not sure if I really enjoy it that much, so I'll just do, I'll just dabble in it. Maybe I'll do a weekend course in some sort of clear aligner um, training as opposed to dabbling hefty, like um, big long-term course. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Look, aligners are a funny thing. Um, every man and his dog does them. Um, I, I believe that most people who do aligners don't have a bloody clue about ortho. Um, it's very easy in an ideal world to move teeth on a computer screen, line everything up and say, make me the aligners. Uh, aligners have their limitations. And, um, and everybody thinks, okay, I do the aligner course. Someone walks in, there's 8,000 bucks. Um, or 7,000 or 6,000, whatever you charge. I don't charge 8,000, but I should, but nonetheless. Um, the, the problem with aligner courses and the problem with many courses is they make everything seem simple because the course is designed to sell the product. Um, and I think that you have to be very wary and look at the motivation of, of what's going on with the course. So if you're there and someone's teaching you something because they've got something to sell you, which is beyond the education, and they're very talented but they're making it look easy, the danger in just dabbling in it is it's actually not very easy at all. So with something like ortho, I would thoroughly recommend whoever does ortho, really ortho is something which is more complex um, and requires a greater deal of knowledge uh, and has um, a greater, um, you know, propensity for failure or screw-ups than other things. Doing a two-day aligner course is great if, you know, you're just going to do the odd set of aligners. But what do you do when they don't work? What do you do when a tooth doesn't work? What do you do when they get to the end of the aligners and they've paid you the 6000 bucks and their teeth aren't straight? 
what do you do? So unless you know something about ortho, you know, that's the problem with aligners. But everybody starts with a two-day aligner course. That's right. Right? And then I did Jeff Hall's three-day smile fast course. And then I did Derek Mahoney's course, right? So sometimes a bit of CPD leads you down a path which uh, then takes you somewhere in a completely different direction. Um, and I think that's probably what CPD is meant to do. It's meant to pique your curiosity. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with dipping your toe into anything. And it's like me, like, like I said, with soft tissue, I dip my toe in there and I'm like, no, nah, I can't do this. It's too finicky. I don't mm. want to. But I want to say, like, you said that you were initially starting out, you were referring cases out. You weren't really focusing on ortho at the time. But then you started doing these simple courses where you diving straight into them as soon as you had it completed it or were you kind of just kind of slowly building on it? Oh, yeah, no, 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 I get get what you're saying. So that's the other thing too, right? So you're going to learn anything. You've got two choices to go home on Monday and do it or to go, oh, yeah, no, I'll do do a case when I get around to it. Unless you go in on Monday and do it, you're not going to do it. So, um, and I find all education, fantastic. And I think the results people achieve are incredible, but unless you're physically actively chasing it and getting the experience and doing it, then you, uh, then, you know, then you won't do it because it's too difficult because you actually haven't committed to doing it. So commitment is extremely important. So first comes knowledge, then comes the commitment to actually making yourself better. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Um, Okay, so is is there a reason why you started dabbling into ortho when you were thinking at the time you weren't really looking into it? Um, you're because you had the root canal, you've had the implants kind of going. There's a big kind of things kind of going on. I think um, I think what happened was I started dabbling in ortho and I liked it. So I realized that I knew nothing about it when I was doing aligners. And then when I went and put Jeff's, did Jeff's course, which is essentially just basically round wire and it, and it uh, levels and aligns teeth. But once you put brackets on people's teeth and then you put a wire on people's teeth, you know, you think, look at me, I'm an orthodontist now, isn't this fun? Which is obviously done in Kruger. You know, you know nothing about it and you can make massive mistakes. But then I realised that actually, no, I did quite like it and that I wanted to learn more. Um, some people do POS and they say that's great. Um, I just did Derek and Derek was fantastic, but I knew Derek from the old days anyway. So, um, that worked really well for me. Um, Fair enough. But, I want to dive into digital dentistry. Let's, oh yeah, let's okay. dive into that for a space. Right. Yeah. You know, you're, you got into Seric pretty early on, right? Yeah, yeah. 2004. Yeah. And so once you kind of dive into that, you know, this is kind of a new kind of space. Yeah. So how are you kind of confident in it and you know how do you develop your skill into in it okay so when i started there was no hand, hands-on course in um in Seric. and um you had to learn everything yourself so the serona guys would come out and they have the plastic model and you'd go like this over the top of it you know and it would make you an inlay or a crown which seemed to fit the plastic model and it was great the first year of doing sterics on, on, on people was very traumatic because as we teach or as I used to teach in the course, it's all about the preparation and 
you can't prep for digital dentistry like you do for, um, you know, impression dentistry. So when you mill something, uh, you have to, it has to be round edges everywhere. You can't cut right angles. You have to manage your contact points. You've got to manage your occlusion. None of which we knew when I started. Mm -hmm. So we had to make all of that stuff up um, as we went along. And that was one of the reasons why I got together with Lawrence and Alfred and we wrote the course because I said, anyone starting this journey will make the same mistakes that we all did. And we made hundreds of mistakes. So digital dentistry is amazing. It's incredible, but you just have to follow the simple rules. It's like everything from the beginning. And if you can follow the simple rules, then you can learn how to do things with success. And then if you do things with success, it's better for the patient, obviously, but it doesn't destroy your day. So the problem with digital dentistry is, let's say you uh, cut a crown prep and then you mill it and it doesn't fit. And then you go, Fuck, it doesn't fit. What am I going to do? So, all right, so I mill it again. Still doesn't fit. Oh, my God, what if I don't? Yeah. Is it the parameters? Is it my contact points? Is it the fact that it's binding somewhere? If you don't know where to start, you know, you book with the patient in for two hours, you're still there after four hours, scratching your head going, I can't deliver this. So, and that's just Sarek. Um, a lot of people do digital dentistry and they just scan it and then send it off to the lab. The thing about digital dentistry for us was always that we are our own technicians. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, are, we were responsible always and we are always responsible for delivering a result. Unless you know how to deliver a good result, um, you day, your day grinds to a halt. And then, of course, you know, you can't do the next patient or the next patient or the next patient or the next patient. So that's why that education is, is really critical. And it's true, I suppose, of everything, but really digital dentistry is great. Digital dentistry is a bit of a, um, it's, a, it's a wonderful time to be a dentist because we have got so much digital dentistry, right? So you can implant plans. You know, you can take a cone beam, you can marry it with your STL. Um, it's an incredible time for fabulous control over everything. You can 3D print stuff. So you can take digital dentistry as far as you want to take it. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the be-all and end-all. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, that there's a lot of dentistry that isn't digital because it's still manual, you know. Like for my implants, I just eyeball everything. I, don't, uh, I, I, I never use surgical guides. Some people, that's how I was taught. I can see the benefit of using a surgical guide, but I just don't need to do it. So digital dentistry is brilliant and you should learn as much as you can and use as much as you want. You don't have to do everything in digital dentistry. I've got a friend, Louise, I went to uni with. She phoned me up. She wanted to know about CEREC and stuff like that. And, uh, but she doesn't really want to make her own crowns. And so she ended up getting a scanner. And so she does, you know, she cuts a prep, she scans, she sends it off to the lab. She feels better about it. And one technician said to me when I got the CERT machine, oh, you know, once you've got a hammer, everything needs a nail. So it is true that some people use digital dentistry for everything. And I think there's questionable anterior um, aesthetics and results that people achieve, but they're happy with themselves because they've done it. So... Um, I generally, if I've got to do a single unit anteriorly, often I'll just, you know, I'll do it. But if I've got to do more than one unit, I get to do six or seven units, right? The thing people forget about technicians is technicians might spend an hour characterizing and staining and glazing a tooth. 
with digital dentistry, it comes out of the milling machine, you polish it, you stick it in the furnace, and then it comes out and you stick it in the patient's mouth. Most people have trouble spending more than five minutes doing it. So if you're going to be brutally honest about aesthetic dentistry, um, unless you're really prepared to spend a lot of time staining, glazing, and characterizing anterior teeth, then you're just going to get, you know, a mediocre result. But you've done it yourself and you've done it immediately. So there's a little bit of a catch-22 in digital dentistry. And uh, how far you want to take it is up to you, you know. Some people do stay in glaze for a long time and characterise and spend the time, you know, and other people just go, all right, boom, plonk, there you go, see you later, you take the money. Um, yeah, fair enough. So would you say that, because you mentioned Tony Rotundo, you learned about the aesthetic, the shape and all of that. Yeah. Did you think that would help complement Completely blew my mind. So before I did Tony Rotondo, I did anterior teeth. After I did Tony Rotondo, I all of a sudden could could shape things a whole lot better than I'd ever been able to do before. Because I taught, he teaches you how to do it in composite. I think what you'd find is ninety percent of dentists don't have a clue what a, what a tooth looks like because the technician does it all the time, the lab does it all the time. So one thing about digital dentistry is because you are your own technician, you're forced to do things like that. You're forced to try and achieve a better result. You're forced to shape a tooth. And that also makes you more critical of your own work because you want to get it right. It also makes you more critical of your lab work too because sometimes the technician doesn't get it right. One thing I did, which was quite fun, is I went to do a wax-up course. So Max Zapati is a, is a fancy technician in Sydney and, uh, and he's a friend. And um, I went and spent two days with him waxing up teeth. So, you know, am I ever going to be a technician? No. Do you need to wax up teeth? No. But um, if you're going to learn. So basically that's it, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, look, I think there's the digital is the future. Yeah. I think uh, having had a steric machine for 18 years and put in thousands and thousands and thousands of the bloody things, I use it every single day. Sometimes two or three times a day. Um, I'm very efficient at doing it. And, but I use it selectively. So if I've got to do, like I said, if I want to make a really nice anterior veneer or kernel, don't use a serif. I'll just get a good lab to do it because they will, they will do a better job than me at it. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to spend the time, could I do it? Yes. But I don't, you know, then it's, then it's, then it's time management. And then you say, right, so I'm going to make a really nice crown. It might take you two, two and a half, three hours to do it. You've got to get it right. You've got to mill it once or twice. You've got to change the color. You've got to fire it. You've got to, you know, you've got to really fiddle with it. And if you're going to do that, why don't you cut the prep and take an impression or scan it and give them a temporary and then get get the thing back and just stick it in, you know, in an hour and a half. Yeah. So each to their own. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are your thoughts on some people um, talk about, you know, I just do one seric course and then that's it. I, I'm good. I'm going to go out and I'm just going to practice on it. Right? Like what are your thoughts on some people saying, you know what, maybe you should come back and do it, revisit again. Cause then you might actually take something out of it or. Yeah. Well, so when we, when I was teaching it, we do, we used to do module one and module two, which they still do. And you get people who were experienced dentists, but had no idea about dentistry. Let's say, I'm not a beginner. I'm not going to do module one. And they go and do module two. Think about the CEREC system. The thing about digital dentistry is you really got to walk before you can run. It doesn't matter how much experience as a dentist you've got. If you're not prepping things the right way 
and you don't understand the principles that are involved in milling and staining and glazing and cutting the prep um, and case selection, then you can't go and do the advanced module because it's beyond your ability. So I would say if anyone wants to get into anything, they've got to do, you know, walk before you can run. Um, and that's it. Once you, once you do that, and it, look, oh, occasionally we had people come back and do it twice. We, don't, we didn't often have people come back and do module one twice because module one's very simple. You know, there's a, there's a few fundamentals. Let's say you learn about 10 or 15 things, which you go away and practice. But those things are essentially easy, but they're more conceptual. So once you learn them, you go away and do it, and then you practice it, then you're good at it. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not like implantology where you've got to do 150 implants before you stop sweating, you know, or root therapy where you've got to do, you know, 150 molar root therapies before you just do it with your eyes shut. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what I would say with, with, with digital dentistry. You know, practice. So if, uh, so if I join a practice, right? I'm yeah. a new graduate or recent graduate. I join a practice and I'm new to Sarah because I've always been taking impressions and whatnot, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, do I sign up for a Sarah course or do I just kind of base it off learning it from yeah, yeah, my yeah, mentor yeah. or the yeah. boss? Well, okay. So then, so then that goes back to what Marius said. It's not what you don't know. It's what you know that isn't so. So if your boss is someone like me, and they've, been, they've had a certain machine for 18 years and they know everything, then I'm the right person to learn from. If your boss is someone who bought the machine and doesn't really know what they're doing, they're the wrong person to learn from. How are you going to know that as a new graduate? You're not. So, yeah, go do the CERIC course, you know, go and do module one, learn, learn how to do it. Um, and then what we found, which was quite funny, is we'd teach people and they'd go back and they'd know more than the boss. You know, which was great because, you know, the other thing too is that the boss, every, if you have a $200,000 piece of machinery and you're not using it, then uh, it's a waste of money. So you'd have people who had the CERIC machines sending us the students and they'd go back and then they'd teach or they'd, they'd teach everybody in the practice or they'd just keep sending their associates in because... And that's why we ran the course and that's why we wrote it because in the end it was, you know, you're teaching the fundamentals. So something like digital dentistry and CERIC, definitely. Go do the fundamentals course and get somebody who knows something to teach you properly. Um, I'll tell you something else too. I, didn't, I, I, I mentioned Tom Giblin um, with, his, um, with his implant stuff. Uh, he's great for occlusion. So if you want to go and learn something about occlusion, you go and do Tom's course. We were taught by Ivan Kleinberg at uni and, and we didn't learn anything about occlusion, right? <laughs> um, and, and that's not a terrible thing to say to, about Ivan. It's just that we all came out, we, didn't, we just didn't know. And it, and it seemed incredibly complex. And it wasn't until I went and did Tommy's course in 2018, I don't know, what I've been a dentist for, 30, for 24 years or something, that he made me really understand the retruded position, that he made me really understand about muscle relaxation. My dad was always a big splint guy. We always used to deprogram teeth, but it wasn't until I did Tom's course that, that he made me understand the drivers of orofacial pain, um, how to really get somebody out of pain and how to make them a proper splint and what you're actually doing when you deprogram people and how to use Valium or uh, anti-inflammatories and stuff like that. So, 
And that was something which I've done, I don't know, two or 300 splints in my life. You know, I wasn't a stranger to occlusion. I understood the principles, but he made me really understand what goes on. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy. If I could plug Tommy's occlusion course, I'd, I'd go and do that if I, was a, if, if I was a new grad. And look, that's the thing I always say to people too. You know, I wish I'd done, a, I wish I'd done ortho when I first graduated. Um, I wish I knew about more about occlusion when I, when I first graduated. I wish I'd done, you know, whatever. But you can only do what you can do. Mm-hmm. Hindsight will give you, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Hindsight will give you the ability to go, wow, geez, I wish I'd learned that earlier in my career. I wish I'd done Tony Rotondo's composite course, but it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, Derek's ortho course didn't exist when I first graduated. He'd written it, you know, I mean, I wasn't the first group, but, you know, and there's a guy called Skip Truitt. I don't know if he's still alive, but Derek learned his ortho off Skip Truitt, and Skip Truitt's an old American dentist. So everybody learns something from somewhere and they repackage it and put it out. Yeah. So, so yeah, my advice to new graduates is the three fundamentals of, 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 of helping people, right? Occlusion, learn how to get people out of orofacial pain. They will love you. You will change their life. Molar endo, learn how to do efficient endo, extirpate teeth, learn when you need to do it and get people out of pain when they walk in as an emergency, you'll have a patient for life, right? Also, learn how to prevent canine impaction in kids. Learn how to do some arch expansion so that these kids don't end up needing a whole lot of ortho when they're teenagers. Learn how to recognise if something's missing or, or what you should be doing. They're kind of fundamentals of, of add-on fundamentals of general practice that I learned, which I wish I'd learned, you know, earlier on. Yeah. I mean, implants you can always you can always get into. With implantology, you need to go and do study. Don't listen to the don't listen to the rep. He says, "Oh, it's easy. Don't worry. I'll give you. A, I'll get you the the drill pack, and we'll, you can start putting implants in." You know, danger, Will Robinson, danger. Go and learn implantology properly. That's right, because like a lot of people would say, you know, you, these are courses that you got to do. You you just said that these are these courses that was a game changer for you. But some people say, if I did this earlier, would I have really gotten as much out of it, or would it have been better that I had some more clinical experience first and then uh, attend this course to make the more out of it? Yeah. Okay. So that's a really good point. I would say that you learn so much in dental school. Um, that really you have to spend and that's why people are kind of a little bit at sea when they're studying and then when they come out when they graduate and they're and they're you know got their first few jobs um just mastering the basics takes everybody years um and that's okay you know because like i said there's it's there's there's no rush it'll it'll all sort itself out so don't be too don't be too much in a rush to um, to be an expert, you know, when you're not. Just basically master the basics. Do your drillings, do your fillings, do your cleans, learn about, um, you know, treatment plans, learn about patient management skills. Do simple things first because everything builds upon everything else. Mm-hmm. So you can't deal with um, surgery, right, if you're 
if your clinical skills are, aren't up there. You know, you can't, you've got to be, you've got to take out a whole lot of teeth and raise a whole lot of flaps before you start putting implants in because you have to be comfortable with bone and blood. So um, that's, that's it, you know, and that's why, that's why doing too much CPD early on mightn't be beneficial for you because you mightn't understand, you know, you don't have the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless, of course, you know exactly what you want to do and that's the only thing you want to do and that's why people specialise. Mm-hmm. I want to dive on the point of mentoring as well. You know, some people, like they're talking about, they want to be held by the hand. Some people want to be checked in on once in a while. Some people want to be a fly on the wall and just learn from mentoring. Yeah. You've mentioned that you like to learn hands-on. You like to have someone that you can observe, um, looking at them, how they do it, the finesse and all of that. Or sometimes you get them to kind of step in and then you just kind of assist. You kind of yeah. cover all that. Is that something that um, you intuitively knew that you liked or was it something that your father might have mentioned to you or? I think um, I, just, I just knew the way I learned, you know. So for me, that was the most effective way was... Um, observing how somebody who knew what they were doing, how they did it, and then getting them to instruct me um, and then, you know, correct you. So when I went to Dubbo, um, I was the most experienced person there. So I had 24 years of experience. The next person had six years of experience and then the other two guys had four years of experience. So by a long shot, I knew more than anybody in the place. Um, and what I really enjoyed about working there was actually mentoring the two guys that were there. So uh, Fadi and Kanishko, um, you know, I'd walk in on them, you know, they'd call me in, like I'd be treating a patient. So oh, can you, can you look at this? Can you look at that? And I'd have a look at the, the, the um, their patient and talk to the patient and talk to them. Um, and that's what you really need. You want to know that you want to know that you're on the right track. Um, you want to be able to have a guiding hand to somebody to say, no, 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 don't go that way, go that way, or, you know, that's deep enough, or what you should be looking for is, you know, this, that, and the other. And then you can get more confidence because essentially in dentistry, the more you do, the more things become the same, right? Um, I do a molar endo, you know, I extirpate it in 15 minutes. Every molar endo for, for me is exactly the same. It's not the same tooth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't present the same problems, but the steps are the same and the outcome is usually the same. So, and that's an experience thing. So, you know, the good thing about people who've been doing things for a long time is that they they have distilled what they do into an essence and they're just, you know, and it's predictable. And um, I wish there was more mentorship in dentistry. I think there's a gap. I think there's a huge gap in mentor. Um, I realised that when I was out in the country, all the old dentists would retire. So you get all these new grads that go to the country because that's where they get a job and there's no one out there to teach them. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? How do they learn? Um, and that's a, that's a massive problem, you know, and so then they've got to pay thousands of dollars and go on courses right across the country to try and learn to do things. But really, it's a shame that there's just not, a, you know, an old, an old guy or an old girl in the practice who's, who's done a million of them and goes, yeah, this is, I'll hold your hand and this is what you do. I think, I think, I think really that also brings me to, a, you know, a simple point is that if you're going to get a job, everyone talks about mentorship. Everyone talks about how they're going to teach you. It's always, look at DPR. It's in every job description. Oh, we're caring, blah, 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 blah. We'll help you. Right? (laughs) But do they really do it? Okay? And if you're in a position, if you're working in a job where you're not being looked after, if you're working in a job where you're not learning, if you're working in a job where people aren't helping you with simple stuff, 
then you've got to question why you're in the job. You know, and you should seek it. There's many, many wonderful dentists out there. There's many people who want to help. There's many people who are happy to help for free. There's many people who love the knowledge and want to impart their knowledge, you know, want to give something back. If you can find those people, then you'll have a really good career. If you, if you, if you, if you feel isolated and alone and you don't know where to turn and no one's holding your hand, then that's not a good thing. Then you actually need, you need some help. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to pay every single time somebody helps you. You know, I know there's a transaction that's always involved, which is why it's important that if you can find some good mentors, they will generally help you for nothing. You know, and um, and and of course you have to pay for education. Jesus, I can't believe how much money I've paid for for CPD. You know, I must have I must have spent two hundred thousand dollars in my life on 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 CPD. But over twenty eight years of being a dentist, it's, you know, what do you do? Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's a you know it's a big it's a big topic. That is that's so true. I mean, there's so many more questions I want to ask you, but just to wrap it all up, is there you know are we going to see you in more the ABC Dentist podcast that I hear? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like every time they phone me up, I get out and I do it. Funnily enough, I've had three or four good patients out of that who've heard me. I've got one patient I'm currently treating who lives in Rockhampton, and she heard me on the radio, and she turns up. And I go, oh, where are you from? Rockhampton. I said, wow, that's all <laughs> No dentist up in Rockhampton? She said, yeah, I went to all of them and none of them could help me. And I heard you on the radio and you sounded nice. And so what can you do for me? Which was pretty, pretty cool, really. <laughs> wow, that's a long way to go for a dental appointment. That is, that is. And how about, how about the poetry? I know you're a man of poetry. I know you've got a little uh, blog post on the side. Oh, the yeah, the blog spot. Yeah, well, I was always, uh, I always like reading and writing. So, um, Dr. Pe uh, what's it? Peter Damon. What's, what? No, it's called Halfway Through. That's right. Halfway Through. Um, and it was basically, I just started a blog about stuff. And that's, that's another discussion about doing things outside dentistry. So, give yourself something where you can express yourself and be creative, which has got nothing to do with dentistry. And then you'll appreciate dentistry a bit better. Awesome. Well, Dr. Peter Damon, thank you for coming on the show today. If you could let the people know how they can find you. Yep. All right. Um, well, uh, peterdamon.com is my website. Um, I will put my uh, blog spot up there halfway through, but uh, I haven't written for a while, so I have to go and check that link. Um, and then I've got a Facebook, Dr. Peter Damon, but I'm so hopeless with social media, uh, mainly because I don't need it really, but uh, I hardly ever post cases, but there's a few cases up there. Awesome. If you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends 
and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.